0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 24-7sports.com network. It's Texas Week, and Mike is not here today. I am joined... By the man himself, Chip Brown from Horns twenty four seven, longtime Longhorns expert and media personality. Chip, how are things this evening?
2: Chris, how are you doing? <laughs>
1: uh, feeling all right. It, it's Wednesday. Uh, you know, you just trying Well, we're recording this on a Wednesday. We're just trying to get through the weekend, and it, it's going to be a big game. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah,
2: it's going to be cooler there than it is here. I know the. The players are looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I bet. Uh, I can only imagine, what was it about 100 degrees down there in Austin right now? It's
2: been like a record string of 100, 100 degree days, or not string, but a lot of 100 degree days for the month of September. And now we're into October, and it's still just blazing
1: hot. Well, it is warm in Morgantown at the moment—ninety degrees today—but it will be around seventy on Saturday. So a beautiful day. It will actually feel like fall finally um, for some football, which in Morgantown it's going to be a big deal. It's homecoming. Uh, the Mountaineers are three and one, and I think now we can finally say that West Virginia is getting to the meat of their schedule. Uh, open Big Twelve play up with Kansas. Had an FCS opponent in JMU. And now it begins a stretch of versus Texas versus Iowa state at Oklahoma and at Baylor on Thursday night. Um, This is a, a stretch I've added Baylor in after the fact, after their start to their season, they look a little better than I expected, I guess um, that, that West Virginia fans were prepared for. What about Texas? You know, how are they viewing this game? What, what, what's the feeling, Austin, about this game? Is there any kind of overlooking it because of the Red River rivalry next week?
2: You know, and you don't have to do that to yourself, Chris. You can call it the Red River shootout like I do. So <laughs> like, um, put yourself in Elmer Fudd danger yes. there. Um, but, no, I, I think this is what uh, is going to be interesting. If this is truly a player-led team, a uh, player led Texas team which would be a first in many many years because of the you know just sort of the um inconsistency and in, and in, uh transition since Mac Brown I mean Charlie Strong three straight losing seasons and then Tom Herman comes in and burns his culture in and and did it in, you know, blowtorch fashion, they go, they go seven and six. And it was, it's interesting because two years ago, they needed to go to Morgantown to become bowl eligible. And, and they did it. And Ellinger came in and relieved Shane Bouchelle in that game and threw a 94-yard pick six. And he was asked about that, what he remembered from that game two years ago. And he said, I remember it was cold. And he said, I remember I threw an absolutely awful interception. He, he called it a classic. Um, and he had a lot of problems with that that year. And he talked about how he allowed the speed of the game to, to speed him up and, and make him feel like he, he had to make a play no matter what. And so he was, you know, throwing the ball up for grabs in and, and that game and the In the Oklahoma State game, in the Texas Tech game, all losses that year that Texas led. um, Well, they ended up winning, obviously, against West Virginia, but they lost uh, to Oklahoma State in overtime. And they they gave up a 10-point lead to Texas Tech that year. Uh, That Texas Tech team, they were better than. So, I think Texas has grown up a lot since they last came to Morgantown. And if this is truly a player led team as Sam Ellinger and Malcolm Roach and Brandon Jones, the safety number 19 on defense, say it is, then they should be playing to their own standard. I think they're the better team. But I think Neil Brown and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I think Neil Brown's done an amazing job of coaching to get West Virginia to to 3 and 1 cuz I didn't have them beating NC State and I thought the Kansas game was a toss up um, just because of all the I mean what 13 new starters I mean that's it's a ton including your quarterback skill talent it receiver that was so uh uh you know present in West Virginia's uh, upset of Texas last year, so I think I think they're taking every game as a business trip, and I I do think, and we'll see because it's their first true road game. Um, we'll see if if they truly are a player led team, then they should be playing to their own standard. They've got a lot of talent. They're you know they're a little bit inexperienced at corner, and they've they were exposed by LSU. But Todd Orlando provided some safety help over the top against Oklahoma State. And I think that's, that's got to be the, the game plan going forward at least until, you know, these corners show they can handle being left alone in man.
1: Well, you mentioned this team growing up as uh, Sam Ellinger. Uh, he looks like obviously a completely different person compared to two years ago uh, in that game coming in and relief, as you mentioned last year solid very good uh i felt like from afar uh put up some good numbers uh led the team to 10 wins sugar bowl victory and this year every virtually every statistic is up again is this something he can keep up for the entire year is this what he's truly capable of or is this kind of a uh, you know play living his best life playing his best game and it, it might not stay for the, re- the remainder of the season.
2: No, I think this guy is, in, you know, a true student of the game, and he got better every week last year, as you mentioned, Chris. And, and, look, I wrote him off after the Maryland game, and I will never do that again because after he threw two late interceptions in the final five minutes of a winnable game, a five-point game, he, I thought, okay, it's in his head. He can't shake it. They – Need to move on. See what Shane Bouchelle has. See what Cameron Rising has. And Tom Herman doubled down and and really took over the offense himself. And um, he gives he gives Tim back the credit for you know really developing Sam. But Herman's a special offensive mind and play caller, and I think that you know he's got a lot invested in Sam Ellinger. I mean. We both know that the quarterback can determine the success or failure of the coach. And, um, you know, look at Texas tech. I mean, if Alan Bowman plays against K state last year is cliff Kingsbury still the coach there. So Ellinger has gotten better each week. And I think the best evidence of that right now is their third down conversion rate. I mean, they're number two in the country. They're converting third down 56.9% of the time, tops in the Big 12. And that's Ellinger seeing the field, managing the game, putting the ball where it's supposed to go, not putting it in harm's way. He, he set the Big 12 record last year, 308 pass attempts without an interception. Um, suffered his first interception off a tipped uh, ball, uh, in the last game against Oklahoma State, but he's been he's been clean and they've moved the chains and they've they've kept drives going and I think that's really indicative of of Herman and Ellinger working really well together. I think Herman calls great plays I think Ellinger puts it in the right protection or checks out of it if if he sees something you know that he doesn't like, but he's And he's got a better offensive line now than really they've had in, gosh, I want to say almost, well, probably since 06. You know, most of the line that won the national championship in 05 came back in 06. Um, That's what kind of offensive line Texas has. So, you know, the running game is still a work in progress because I think Keontae Ingram – uh, you know he had a knee issue he wore a brace he wasn't feeling it he took the brace off and and had his best game against Oklahoma state so yeah i think ellinger's getting better i think by the end of the year he should be you know in the conversation for the heisman i don't know if he's a finalist or not he could be though i i think
1: he could be uh it just hit me while while you were talking there you're you're basically fresh off of uh talking with the players and coaches from the media availability this week. Um, was there anything like a common factor that they, that they discussed about what they need to do, what Texas needs to do on Saturday in order to win at West Virginia?
2: I think they feel like they're really confident in their ability to stop the run. And, you know, West Virginia is interesting because they averaged what one, Point four
1: yards. I say, hey, don't mean to burst their bubble, but that, that's not hard to do. Right. I
2: mean, so this is gonna, you know, in my opinion, this will be a test of of their, you know, playing to their own standard. And and defense travels. I think Texas's defense is just scratching the surface of of where it can be up front. I think Todd Orlando is even discovering that they can they can rush the passer with four. And he figured that out against Oklahoma State. He did not figure it out against LSU, and he kept leaving his his corners in man coverage, and they kept getting, you know, burned up. So um, you think back to LSU, and you know they had a they had two failed fourth and goal opportunities early in that game, and then lost by a single possession, um, and gave up huge plays on defense because Orlando. Didn't trust his front four or front six or whatever, um, and and kept blitzing and leaving his his corners in, in man, but you know I think they feel really confident now in their ability to stop the run, and you know Neil Brown is he's an air raid guy, but he he's committed to the run and and so um, you know much like Mike Gundy, so I think Texas will will load up to to stop the run and, and then see if they can get some pressure on Austin Kendall, who looked like he was pressing in the first two games but has settled down uh, in the last two so you know I think it's a it's a good test and then you know defensively, West Virginia with their pass rush and um, the Stills brothers you know this the Texas offensive line's got to show that they can can keep Sam clean. I think if Texas gets off to a fast start, it could end up, you know, with Texas pulling away. On paper, this reminds me of when Texas went to Baylor a couple years ago and Matt Rule, you know, was rebuilding that program. I I'm not saying that, you know, West Virginia is at that point of starting over, but you lose 13 starters, your quarterback. Um it takes a minute. And and Texas got up early in that game and they ended up, you know, pulling away and winning by a few touchdowns. So if Texas lets West Virginia hang around and get confidence, then, you know, this thing could, could be a, a second half or fourth quarter game. But I think Texas is starting to realize, Hey, we're pretty good. And, and so we'll see if that's reflected. And you mentioned the red river shootout. I mean, Look, that's a huge huge game. It it might have game day. It's 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 you know, a special in all the world football game because they divide the Cotton Bowl, you know, the seating at the 50 which changes everything. And and so if they're they're not focused and they're turning the ball over on Saturday, then West Virginia's going to be in this game.
1: I agree with you. I, I think uh, before the season, I had this one 30 to 20 Texas, but that was because I wasn't sure. I wanted to see Texas more than I, w- I was concerned about West Virginia or, or felt that West Virginia was going to stick with them. And now I think I revised my revised my prediction uh, when I answered Taylor's questions uh, for your side earlier today and picked 42-24, I think, Texas. Because yeah, I think I, my concern here for West Virginia is that I'm just not sure they have the firepower to uh, the offensive firepower to kind of stick with Texas because I feel like with all of Texas' injuries in the in the secondary, that's a spot they can exploit. But the problem is that um, and and Neil Brown, hey, I'm in the business of uh, putting words in coaches' mouth is mouths, so I'll try to translate here. Um, he said after the game against Kansas that he felt good about the where, where Austin Kendall was and that the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinators had done a nice job scheming better, or not scheming better, but had changing the scheme because they had fit more to what Kendall could do, which sounded to me like in the first couple games they had set up a game plan and called plays to run the offense they wanted to run and saw it couldn't happen and then had to kind of rein it back in a little bit to fit what Kendall is capable of doing. And that's what we've seen from West Virginia in games three and four, which were both wins and both wins over power five teams, which is nice. But I think that kind of offense may not be able to hang with say, you know, Sam Ellinger in Texas, if they put up 40, because I don't know if West Virginia can put up 40.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know again, I expect texas Todd orlando, and Todd orlando was sort of my my biggest question mark coming into the year because he does you know try to apply a lot of blitz pressure last year, I felt he tried to run you know some of that iowa state three eight cloud and and kind of lost his identity a little bit and 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 they they struggled i mean they they went backward they were number three in the nation in third down defense and Herman's first year. And, and last year they really struggled on third down. They didn't play as well against the run, gave up a 21 point lead against OU in the fourth quarter, needed a, a last second field goal to, to win that game in October. And, you know, had Kyler Murray on the ropes early in the big 12 title game and then backed off into the three, eight cloud and Kyler Murray, you know, went down the field in 41 seconds for a touchdown, and, oh, you got the ball to start the second half, and it was kind of over and out for for Texas. So, to me, I have one game to base this on, Oklahoma State, that Todd Orlando was finally willing to provide safety help over the top. Was that just because of Tylen Wallace? I mean, do they think, oh, we can leave – our corners in man against West Virginia because they don't have, you know, uh, you know, uh, a Sills or, or Jennings this year. Yeah. Um, I'd be surprised if, if he does that, if he leaves his corners in man because they've gotten burned consistently and when he left safeties over the top in the last game, they gave up some big plays to Spencer Sanders, but they didn't give up any big plays to Chuba Hubbard or Tyler Wallace. Well,
1: um, in answering those there's five questions I talked about earlier with, with Taylor. I told her that I really loved your piece on the five things you need to know about the upcoming opponent feature. And, and for the West Virginia fans, listening, to this, make sure you go check that out at Orange 24, seven, uh, you know, five things you need to know about WVU. And, First off, I'm I'm stealing that. I'm going to start doing that. Uh, I hope you don't mind. Uh, Absolutely. Second, second. Um, what's one thing that you know you we haven't discussed yet that West Virginia fans need to know about Texas right now?
2: You know, I think um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they. If, if B.J. Foster, number 25, is back from this hamstring injury, how do they deploy him? Texas is down three starters in the secondary. Um, their freshman All-American safety from last year, Caden Stearns, is out. Um, their best corner, Jalen Green, is out. And um, Josh Thompson, who's kind of, been a utility guy. He's played nickel. Last game he started at corner. Um and he's out. So I'm curious to see how they deploy, first of all, who's you know the other corner. Um because Kobe Boyce has sort of been the the starter opposite Jalen Green. So is Kobe still the starter? Because he's 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 gotten Beat, and he's had a pass breakup each of the last two games, which is a huge sign of progress for him. <laughs> um, and he's number 38 for Texas. Uh, I would imagine they're going to go at him. And then, you know, who's the other corner because Deshaun Jameson, to me has been the best uh, outside of Jalen green. And he's really struggled to get on the field. And Anthony cook is the highest rated recruit. And, you know, 6'1", 190, long, everything you want in a corner. But I think he just assumed he was going to be a starter, which is a huge mistake because he hasn't gone out and earned it. And And now it, it, it's like, OK, it's a third of the season and there's a real need at corner for you to, to get it cranked up. You, you know, he had more starts than anyone coming in um, to the year. Uh, At corner. So that to me is, I think you're right, Chris. That's the area that West Virginia has got to feel like we got to attack. And however we got to do it, you know, are we sending only two men out on, you know, on the route, providing extra help, protecting Austin Kendall, whatever, rolling him, booting him. But um, that's what I want to see from Orlando this week. How does, you know, how is he, who's he playing at nickel? He's been playing Brandon Jones there, but that's in part because BJ Foster's been hurt. And, and Chris Brown, to me, number 15, who is an afterthought coming into this year has been, has been their best defensive back. He's a junior. He's waited his turn, but the injuries have led him on the field. And he's made play after play after play. And I'm doing our insider notes package tonight, and I talked to, you know, a few of my NFL scouts, uh, you know, buddies, and, and all three of them said 15, you know, 15 and 46. 46 is, is Joseph Osai, and he's arguably the MVP of the, the defense for Texas the first four games because he leads the team in interceptions, and he's probably their best pass rusher at the linebacker position, the guy just has an unbelievable nose for the ball. So, you know, I think to me, that's, that's the interesting thing. And then the punter, you know, they really struggled punting the football last year after having Ray guy award winner, Michael Dixon. And it's ironically, it's his, his cousin who is replacing him, Ryan Buchevsky. And, and Dixon worked with Buchevsky in the, um, during spring break and Buczewski has been better, you know, he's got six, I think inside the opponent's 20, um, he's hitting that, you know, that backspin pooch punt, uh, the way that Dixon did. And, you know, that was a big part of Todd Orlando's success two years ago when he went, got a 1.1, he went from 1.1 million a year to 1.7 million. He had Michael Dixon pinning, you know, teams inside their five with his leg. And we all know that, you know, coming off the goal line, the offense is going to take a different mentality than if they're at the 20 or between the 20s. So, you know, this – I've been critical of Todd Orlando um, without Michael Dixon and, and, you know, with having to defend Big 12 offenses. It's not easy. I, know, I get it. Um, but – I I'm fascinated by, you know, Neil Brown, the offensive minded guy and, and what he thinks he can take advantage of with Todd Orlando.
1: And let's send it. We, I won't go into predictions cause you, you've more or less kind of given it to us. And I know you guys like to give a detailed, detailed picks, um, on your site later in the week. So I, I want to finish with a kind of a state of the program question for, for you about Texas. Uh, You mentioned when Tom Herman got there, uh, I believe the term you used was a a blowtorch uh, to kind of come through there. Uh, And obviously that first season did not go great while he was, while he was blowtorching. uh, The record was not what they had hoped for, but then 10 and four in year two uh, sugar bowl victory, three and one to start the year AP number 11, I believe right now, uh, you know, right in there, number one, number two in the league, going for a conference championship, one of the favorites to be in the championship game. Where do things stand with him now, and what has to happen for the rest of the year for him to remain in the good graces of Austin, assuming he is there? Yeah,
2: I think he's he definitely got the signature wins last year, beating mm-hmm. Oklahoma, beating Georgia, and getting to 10 wins. Fans were like, oh wow, okay, we're good. Um, and you know, Herman kind of got uh, razzed for having this one one and oh culture. You know, his LLC we learned in his contract extension is called one and oh culture LLC. And and yet he, you know, his first two years, he couldn't open one and oh. He lost to Maryland. Uh, both years, and and so the question coming into this year when they played Louisiana Tech, a team that's won five straight bowl games and won you know eight games last year, was can they just take care of business and be one and zero, play to their own standard, and and I think the culture is in, and I got to give him credit. I mean, he's relentless. He's relentless, and I think he's a he is smart. I mean, he's Mensa. And we can talk about that, but he's very he, he's very good about changing up his message, and he really you know I've talked to enough people around Tom Herman to know that he knows that's important. He can't fall back on on old reliables. He's got to change the message constantly for this generation of social media and one hundred and forty characters and attention span of a mosquito. so I think he's done that. I think he he has great player leadership in that locker room, and I think he's recruited well. I mean, I think they've gotten through these injuries. They they had one healthy scholarship running back for LSU, uh, Keontae Ingram. They moved their, their freshman quarterback, Rashawn Johnson, to running back, and he's looked probably better than people thought. In fact, he was running it more confidently than Keontae Ingram until – the second half of the Rice game. Keontae Ingram was the top running back in the state of Texas two years ago, and he finally started running like that the last six quarters of this season. So, you know, there's still some question about whether Keontae Ingram can just walk on the field like he owns the, the place and, and get it done. Um, he played well against Oklahoma State, but, you know, he's got to go into a hostile environment. And on Saturday, can he do it? Because if they can't run the ball um, and Sam will then run it too much and that puts him in harm's way and if he gets hurt and on and on. So, um, but I think Herman's culture is in and I think they've recruited well enough with back-to-back top three recruiting classes and now I think they're at number six um, for 20. They're recruiting well enough that the culture – should now start to be passed on by the players. And when the players are policing each other and coaching each other, that's when the magic happens. That's the stuff that was happening here in the first decade of the two thousands under Mac, when it was, you know, Vince young and then Colt. And it, it is, it's starting to feel like that again. So I think Tom Herman has the fan base. He and he, Andy has them believing that they're they're headed back to days like that.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Chip. I think we're we're reaching our 30 minute uh, kind of limit here that we usually go on on here on Country Roads Confidential. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean horns, you know, horns247.com. Great staff over there. The legendary Bobby Burton, Jeff Howe, Taylor Estes, um, Mike Roach, Clint Buckley, covering recruiting, myself and uh and then on twitter chip brown 247 twitter instagram all that stuff
1: and uh and chris keep up the great work man i appreciate it chip and, and we'll talk to you again soon i'll be on your show here uh in a little bit so that's
2: right right and early uh, baby <laughs> am 1300 and 1031 fm the zone on the iheart radio app if you want to hear chris uh in austin bright and early on thursday morning um, All right. What? No, uh, Eight o'clock Eastern.
1: Yes. And we'll be on there. I'll be putting that on the site, make sure everybody listens to it. And uh, I, I think that's good. And, we'll, and, again, we'll have plenty of uh, written word stuff. I've answered questions for Horns 24-7, and Taylor uh, has answered stuff for our site. So we'll have uh, some more cross-germination between the two sites before we get to uh, kick off on Saturday. So, cross-germination. Yes. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot, Chip. And thanks, right. everybody, for listening. Thanks.
0: Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.